Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Church Online. We're so glad you could tune in with us today. And hey, I want to shout out to all of you Freedom folks that if you would, take out your phone, your smart device, and and pull up the app and uh, go ahead and pull up the outline that will be on there. Uh, We're in the four series. All you got to do is go to the bottom right hand of your phone and hit Sundays and it will be in there. And maybe you're tuning in and and you never have uh, been a part of Freedom Church or you just saw this uh, on the line here and you want to stop and check it out, we'd love for you to hang out with us for a few moments of time. Love to encourage you. And you can go and uh, find the app as well to be able to have the outline of what I'm going to be sharing today. Uh, Just simply go to the app store and type in Freedom Church TN and you'll find us there. But thank you so much for that. And uh, I just want to ask you also to invite anybody else in a watch party to be able to share in this time together because we're going to have an amazing time. And so I'm just so thankful that you're here to be able to do that. And those of you that are part of FC, I'm glad you're here. Those of you that are brand new, I am glad you jumped on as well. So do us a favor. Maybe if you are brand new, comment below. We'd appreciate it very much. You're welcome to go to our website and you can at freedomfamily.us. You can send us an email if you'd like to do that as well. But I just want to tell every one of you, I love you. I'm so thankful that you're tuning in today. We're going to have a great time. Hey, it was another wild week, we know, with this coronavirus deal going on. And and so I just have continually prayed for all of the people, uh, not only that's in our community, but but that's in our state and in our nation and in our world. And I'd ask you to do the same. But so many people are across the world. This is what I'm hearing. Uh, they're wondering why in the world uh, and is, is this happening and where is God in this pandemic? Um, I just want you to know this, that God is near. He is with us. He's not against us during this time. And matter of fact, he's for you and me. And today, that's what I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about in this next installment, the third installment in the four series, that God is for you and me. And I know for sure this, that this virus has caused us all to think different in many ways. I know I have. I've been thinking a lot different about a lot of things going on in my life, and you have too. Some of you are out there right now, and you have been laid off from your job. You have no idea how you're going to be able to pay the rent. You're wondering about how you're going to get food. That's even if you can find food on the shelf. Getting the basic necessities and things like that. And, and to, be able to, to be able to know that I can't even get together with my family. Did you know that my family is so big? With My, my daughters have had so many kids. I'm telling you what, I'm not drinking that water. But they've, we, I have so many grandchildren, we can't even get together. We exceed the limit of 10. So I know how you feel. And there's, you know, the schools are out. You know, I know it's breaking your hearts for the kids, but I know it's breaking the adult's heart because they are driving you absolutely crazy. And if that's so, just comment below and say, yep, they're driving me crazy. But anyway, with that being said, uh, the sad part of that is, is the possibility of no graduations. The sad part of that is, is the possibility that there's not going to be any proms. Those special moments that especially when you're getting, being a senior and coming into the end of your time in high school, those things that hurts. But, you know, we're all thinking different and we're doing life different. That brings up to me uh, to think about a commercial that happened in 1997. It was an Apple commercial. And in this particular commercial that Steve Jobs is narrating and it shows this picture on the front of it, the commercial is called Think Different. And it came out in 1997, as I said. I want you to watch this commercial. Check it out. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, 
we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. You know what's amazing about that commercial is that it actually won awards. It's actually in the Advertising Hall of Fame. Uh, you may not have known that there is an Advertising Hall of Fame, but also not only it winning awards, it was also criticized because what was uh, what was uh, what you saw about the commercial was this: you didn't see any Apple computers, you didn't see any Apple products whatsoever. But that, of course was what the genius was behind the Think Different campaign. Now, what you may not know is that this Think Different campaign that they come up with was in response to another campaign ad that come about. See, IBM come up with this campaign saying, Think IBM. And so, with that being said, that's where the Think Different campaign was born. Now, when you look at what Steve Jobs was doing there about thinking different, it was a call for to be able to think different at that time, to be able to be innovative, to be able to have that call to be courageous, to push against the status quo, to be able to push against the current thinking of the day. In some ways, I think that's what's happening and what connects to us today. That's what we're facing in this world. We're all thinking different. We're all spending a lot of time on that Apple product, the iPhone, or on some other device that you may have. But here's what I know with that. What we're facing in the world, what we're facing as individuals and our families and our businesses and, and with our government and with our doctors and our nurses, what we're facing as a church and how we worship and how we serve and how we do church different and all those kind of things. In fact, there's a lot of people right now that I'm talking to and you're listening to me and you're facing health concerns. Some of you right now, you're having symptoms and you're wondering, do I have this virus? You're thinking about getting tested. Some of you right now, you're, you're dealing with your finances. You don't know what you're gonna do. You don't know what's gonna happen because you don't have the finances. You didn't know that you was gonna be facing this. And no doubt, you're just looking at life and saying, wow, I've never seen life like this. Seems like the streets are empty and cars not going by, nobody's in town, nobody's going out to restaurants. The government actually has called for a ban on 10 and over, and they're actually going to enforce that in our state. And I really hope and pray, though, you're thinking spiritually, because here's what I want to say to you. If you don't know God, you don't know him in your heart, I want to really challenge you to think different. I want to ask you to stay with me for a few moments of time because I'm telling you, God is up to something and you couldn't have picked a better time to be able to share with us today. And here's what I know. We live here in Sumner County in Tennessee. There are thousands of people in our community who currently before this coronavirus, there was a lot of people that didn't have anything to do even with the church and have anything to do with God and there's a lot of reasons that is, and, and I think the common reasons to that is this, because many people had written God off because they thought God had written them off. I think that's got a lot to do with it. And also with that, many people have written off the church because they think that the church had written them off as well. Maybe you're thinking and you look at the world that you're thinking, man, God is allowed this thing to happen to our world and he's got to be mad. He's got to be upset with everything is taking place. And, but you know what? I don't know whether God is upset. I don't know what he's thinking right in the moment. But here's what I do know. He hasn't written you off and he hasn't written me off. I can guarantee you that. There's a lot of people in this day and time, they've been what I call on that treadmill of religion. They kind of jump on the treadmill of religion for a while and, and they go through the motions of those kind of things and, and they try to be good and they try to be a good person and all of a sudden they step off and they try to do the danks of life on their own and do their own thing and then sometimes they try to just jump back on the treadmill of religion and then they jump back off to do life their way and there's times like these that you're thinking, I need to jump back into that religious thing because I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen next. You're living in fear and you're thinking, you just want to get back on it in. It was funny. I was thinking about a treadmill and I was thinking, this is kind of what happens when you jump on a treadmill and then you kind of get thrown off. Check this out. <laughs> 
That just kind of reminds me of how that people today, it gets really exhausting because what people do when it comes to God, they make this attempt to try to earn God's love, to try to earn God's forgiveness, to try to earn God's favor. And maybe this is you. I want to ask you a question. Is religion working for you? Many people, they step off that treadmill and it's kind of like, they walk away from the church. And, and in some sense, really, when they walk away from the church, they're really walking away from God. You know, they're hoping in the end it's all going to work out, that everything's going to be okay. I'm not part of the church, but hey, I love Jesus, but I am not part of the church. And they're hoping in the end that the scales are going to balance injustice in their way, that they're going to be okay. And you know what? I've heard this kind of thinking in my life, especially being in ministry for over two decades, that when it comes to God, many times... Uh, People say, well, I, I'm just, I, I just don't know about this God thing. I don't know about serving God. I don't know about the church. I don't like those people. People make all these excuses. I mean, when people decide they want to walk away from God, I want to tell you I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with anyone that wants to walk away from the church or they want to walk away from God. Listen, God has way too much for you in this life for you to walk away from your Creator. And he wants to do so much in your life in a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And now, more than ever in these difficult times, he's going to be for you and he's going to help you even when you feel like you're all alone. See, from the very beginning of when we started Freedom Church in 2002 until now, our church has always wanted to do our very part in the very best way we can to be able to reach people. And did you know right now there's over 160,000 people in Sumner County alone who does not go to church on a given weekend? So when I think about that, there's reason for them that I think they are thinking different when it comes to God. So here's what I want to tell you. Maybe that's you for what whatever reason, you kind of walked away. I want to ask you to reconsider, and I want to ask you to think different today. Maybe think different about what you've been told about God, or maybe what you've been told about church. I want you to think different, because there's something I'm going to share with you today that happened, and you can, you, as we look at this, you can get in on this and what it is, because here's what I will tell you. God has not written you off, and God has a great big plan for you, and there's opportunities for you to be able to consider Here's what happened centuries ago, and, it, and it's important for the church specifically. We're talking about the name of God. See, when you think about the name of God, the name of God in Hebrew is basically, this is the Hebrew. You can check it out up there. It's Hebrew, the name of God. Well, whenever, they tra whenever we translated the name of God from Hebrew into English, it translated with those four letters, Y-H-H. W-H. That's where we get our English name, Yahweh, that represents God. Now, here's what I will tell you. In the early biblical times, people would not even utter the name of God out loud because they were so scared that God would strike them down. And you know where they get this at? They get it from the Old Testament Bible in Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 16. Check it out. It says, anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Do you know that that was people that felt like that that day, that they would get struck down? Did you know that there are Jewish people that feel like that and live like that even today? Because there was this distance that they felt like it was between God and them. There was this fear that they had. Now, we know, and I know, that we need to have a healthy reverence for God, that God is good. But there's a belief, and people are thinking that they're dealing with an angry God, that if I say his name out loud, he's going to strike me down because he's angry, because he's upset, and because he's really uptight about something. And then, a think-moment difference arise. You say, what do you mean? A new name of God was offered when Jesus showed up. 
See, and it was shocking to them. And, and not only could they say God's name out loud, but this new name that they could say represented a totally different concept of God, of who God was and who God could be in their very hearts and lives. So Jesus appeared on the world stage, grab this, to be able to give a new name for God. And that is what's awesome. Look at, uh, when you look at Luke's gospel in chapter 11, I want to look before that and think about what was taking place there. Understand that Jesus was doing ministry and Jesus had just in chapter 10 of Luke shared what the most important two commandments are, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And then one of the Pharisees asked him, well, who is my neighbor? And he goes on to share the story of the Samaritan. And then after that, Jesus goes to visit Martha and Mary's house. And then the disciples, they want to talk to Jesus when they arrive at this certain place. It says once they got to that certain, uh, Jesus was in a certain place and he was praying. It says, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus said, and I'm going to stop there just for a moment. What Jesus says in this next phrase happens to be the most shocking, but the most wonderful, amazing, crazy, unexpected thing that these guys could ever hear. But it was the world's opportunity to think different about how God had arrived on the scene for their very lives in the relationship. He goes on to say, this is how you should pray. And he says, Father. Now, those of you that are, you're an astute Christian, you've read the Bible. He goes on to, to be able to recite the Lord's Prayer. And, but here Jesus says, Father, he goes from, Yeshua, he goes from, Yeshua. that's how it's kind of how the, the, way, the best way to speak Hebrew is to be able to hark a little bit. That's what I've learned when I've been to Israel. But they went from Yahweh here to Daddy. Not only could they say God's name, they could call him Abba, Father, Papa, he's my dad. So talk about the think different moment in the scripture here. Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to tell them this story to the disciples. He says this to them. He says in verse 11 there through 13, you fathers telling them that had children. He said, your children ask for a fish. Do you give them a snake instead? Well, absolutely not. Uh, I could not imagine. You would think that when my wife Shanda, if we ever, it is just not good, I will just say, for us to get around a snake. Because if there's a snake gets anywhere near my wife and it catches her off guard, you're going to think a Pentecostal revival broke out because she's going to start yelling and screaming. <laughs> That's what she's going to do. But here's what I want you to know. In the next verse, he said, or if you ask for an egg... Do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, if you give good gifts to your children, what he's saying here, imagine how much more the gifts that would come from heaven. All good gifts comes down from the father of lights. So Jesus here, he is presenting this amazing breakthrough that's unheard of, of this think different moment. And a good, good father that loves his kids would be able to give everything to them. And this is so true. He, you think about earthly fathers. I'm a father of three. Imagine what it's like for the heavenly father who wants to bless us. And he has so many blessings he wants to bestow on our lives because he's for us. Thanks to Jesus. <laughs> we can call God father when we're praying and we're communicating with him. And we can share in the privilege of that family relationship with our amazing God. And all of us who have been born again, you've received Jesus in your heart and in your soul, and you've made reservations in heaven. You had your sins forgiven. You are part of the household of God. And that is what is amazing. And we have that right to call him Abba Father. He's our Papa. So when we think about our Heavenly Father, I was really thinking about all of the wonderful things and the way that 
God, our Father, is for us. And I just want to share a few of these with you, but here's what I want to tell you most of all right out of the gate. He loves you and He's for you. No matter what anybody's told you, no matter whether you've had a bad experience in some church before, and a lot of people equate those people that represent God and they think if they represent God, that's how God is. That's just not that. You know, I've met a lot of Christians before. Have you ever met that uptight, stone cold face, just kind of a mean spirited Christian. Have you ever met one? I have. You know, I'll never forget that, you know, those that you meet and you're thinking, wow, if that's who God is, no wonder nobody wants anything to do with the church, right? (laughs) I wouldn't want anything to do with the church. It reminds me of my pastor uh, that I announced my calling to share the gospel under. He told me about going to revival. And he and his wife got there, and they got there early. And, and when they did, uh, um, his wife went up and sat down, I think, a couple of pews from the front on the right. And she's sitting there on the end. Of course, uh, uh, her husband and my, my pastor was going to go up, and he was going to share in a little bit. And a woman comes up with her purse, and she takes her purse and hits her on the shoulder and says, Get up. You're in my seat. Well, sometimes Christians can be the worst representation of a loving, heavenly Father. So don't write God off because you've wrote a church off of how they may have treated you at some point in time in your life. But when I look at this and I think about how he loves us and how he's for us, that's a radical thought for a lot of people. And God is actually for every single one of us because God is for us. It doesn't mean, though, that it's all about us. It's all about me and my four and I'm not worried about it anymore. But it's in his humility, God's grace, that he is for us because the sacrifice of his son made that way for us to come to him. And his love is more than we can ever imagine that he wants to pour out on us. It's so abundant. Look at 1 John 4, 16, what it says about his love. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. See, God's love is unconditional since it's based on his nature rather than on performance. So many people get all messed up trying to perform for God. Let me tell you something. Religion is spelled to do, D-O. You're all the time trying to work your way to get there. Now, faith without works is dead. And James, the stepbrother of Jesus, said that. But relationship with God through his love, through Jesus Christ, to have back a connection with the Heavenly Father, that is a relationship. That is what's spelled done. That's what happened at the cross of Calvary. So here's something else that he does. I love this attribute about the Heavenly Father. He listens. He listens. I don't know about you, but I really get all jacked up when I try to talk to somebody and I try to carry on a conversation. I don't know about you, but I I think you're going to relate with me. They are sitting here like this, and you're trying to carry on a conversation with them. and, And it's just almost like, you know, they hear you. But they're not listening to you. And you and I know it. And it just makes me want to go over and grab their phone and throw it down and say, listen to me. (laughs) But anyway, here's what I love about the Heavenly Father. Look at Psalm 55. But I will call on God. That's what we get to do. And the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. See, when we pray, it is a moment that when we're praying to God and connected to him through the power of the Holy Spirit, that gets God's full attention. And that is amazing because in that moment, we get to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. We get to cast our anxiety upon him because he don't want us to go through that. We get to tell him what our hurts is so he can bring about the healing. We get to tell him about the pains we're going through in life and he gives us his full attention. And we need to be people of God, knowing that he's for us, that we give him full attention. Something else he does, he provides. 
I am so thankful for that, that he is our provider. Look what it says in Philippians 4 and verse 19 in the New Testament. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. You might want to recite that right there as you're sitting there eating Cheetos in your pajamas and just say, all my needs. That's what he's going to supply from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. See, the heavenly father, he assumes responsibility for meeting every single one of his children's needs. No matter what's happening in this life, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter if you're wringing your hands, you're wondering, how in the world are we going to be able to pay the bills with this coronavirus going on? Nobody's working. He promised that he would provide his children's needs. When you're in his will, there's always a way. When you're in his will, there's always a way. Something else he does, he guides. I love one of my verses for my life is Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. I'll tell you what your own understanding will do. It will jack your life up and make you think in a direction that shows that you're more about fear than you are faith and trust in Almighty God. So it says, seek His will. Seek his will in all you do. Not some, not part, but you're going to seek him with everything you've got for his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. He guides us. Something else I believe that he does is that he protects us. He does. He protects us. I love what it says in Psalm 121 here. Check this out. I love it so much. It says here, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel, never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shield. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go. That's a good thing for right now, as you come and go, social distancing both now and forever. See, the Lord protects us. I believe he protects us physically. I believe he protects us emotionally. I think he protects us financially. He protects us physically. He protects us relationally. And even in those areas of our life, in any of them, it seems to get out of order. And we want to result like it started in the garden into the blame game. Sometimes God allows interruptions to get you in the right direction, if you understand what I'm saying. Something else that our Heavenly Father, His wonderful attribute is, is that He stays. He stays. He is not an absentee Father. See, there's some of you right now, and you're just, you're just hurting because your father left when you were little, and it's always been that gaping wound in your heart that he left you or maybe you had a father that abused you and he hurt you and you're carrying it to this day and you think if my earthly father would do this how could I ever that I could see how could I trust a heavenly father that I can't see listen listen to what he says in his word in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8 do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That is a promise from your heavenly father who loved you enough to make you in his likeness and in his image. Now, I've looked at these different attributes, and, and I want to settle on this last one here for just a little bit because it's so important. 
especially because it's talking directly to his own children. Those have made a decision and come to a point that they've given their heart and life to the Lord. He's talking, and what I'm talking about is that he disciplines you. See, the Lord disciplines us for our good so that we can continually share in his holiness. But when we're suffering, especially like we are right now, and we're suffering all across the world, it's really easy for us to get a mindset. How could God really love us? See, the purpose of God's discipline isn't to punish us. It's to transform us. That's what it's for. And so there's, in, in these verses here, I want to share with you in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 13, there's three particular uh, things I want to point out here that proves his love for us that his assurance that he's going to be with us, that he's our heavenly father. The first part in pointing this out is just simply through his word, through his scripture. It says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. See, this discipline is evidence that God loves me and God loves you. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you what our enemy, Satan, wants to do. He wants you and I to believe that we're going through this difficult time. And as we're going through this difficult time, it's God's fault. And God really doesn't love us. Let me tell you something about our enemy, Satan. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy me and you. He wants to be able to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our businesses. He wants to destroy our churches. Whatever he can do to disrupt our relationship with God and interrupt that relationship. See, when you look in the Bible, God is seen disciplining many throughout these past 6,000 years of different circumstances and different things that's taken place. And other times we see God punishing people even with physical suffering. So we see the assurance of God's love here in his word, but we see the assurance of God's love in these passages of scripture through personal experience. See, maybe you're like me. You had a father who disciplined you when you were young. See, I was blessed to grow up in a farmer's household. And actually, our, my parents were tobacco farmers when I was growing up. And, uh, but listen, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Hey, uh, smoking, you know, uh, it ain't going to send you to hell. You just smell like you've been there. But anyway, with that being said, my father had a tobacco stick, and it was about this long to the floor, and it was, it was black where it had been fired from dark fired tobacco, and he would set it in the corner of the house. Well, let me tell you this. He would give me a whipping with that, which people today would probably call it abuse. But you know what? He'd give me about three hard whaps on my butt with that thing. And you know what? It would last six months, let me tell you. And I probably didn't get as many whippings as I needed to. But here is what I want to tell you when it comes to, to being able to have that discipline. Uh, in personal experience, it says here, as you endure this divine, get that word, divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Think about this for a moment. They're not disciplined by their father. Me and you both know of someone, and I know of someone, their name just popped up in my mind. You can go ahead and just put their name in the news feed there. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that because if they know it's you and they're going to defriend you and it's going to be problems. But anyway, you know that person that you know growing up, you knew that they were spoiled rotten. They were a person that never got disciplined. It says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Hmm, if you don't sense that God is disciplining you, you should wonder, do I really know God at all? It says in verse 9, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. So it comes to a question. Why does God discipline us so that 
we will respect him, give him the reverence that is the reverent fear that he is our heavenly father, that we will obey his word and that we will obey his will. But here's what ends up happening. If you take your eyes off of the relationship that you have with God and you're not living every day, moment by moment, dying out to self and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll end up drifting in a direction. That's what happens to God's people. You drift away from his word, you drift away from his will, and you drift away from the very mission that he has in your life. And when you end up being a person that's living in a point to where that you blame everybody for your problems, you're blaming people, you're blaming God, and you end up becoming a lukewarm Christian. And when you become a lukewarm Christian, that makes our heavenly father absolutely sick. Look at what it says in Revelation 3. See, if God doesn't discipline a person, then you've got a question do you truly know him? Have you truly been born again? Think about that. Has God just been a head decision? Or was it truly a heart salvation? See, there's about 18 inches between your head and your heart. Could that be how far it is from knowing God and a free pardon of sin and knowing him in your heart? See, he loves you so much that he'll allow whatever it takes to get our attention back on him and share in his holiness. So in this passage, I love it. It, it, it proves to us the assurance that he's for us and God loves us. Our heavenly father does. It says it here through his word and it's through a personal experience, but I love the blessed results that it says here in verses 11 through 13. And here, I want to read this. It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. You know, whenever my dad would whip me, I remember, man, are you talking about painful? Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I hate to even think back on that. I'll have to go get counseling thinking back on that. But anyway, uh, they always say it hurts me then more than it hurts you. And I thought, liar, liar, pants on fire. But anyway, um, then I became a father. And... My wife and I, something that I would never do was do the countdown thing. Because when you count one, two, two and a half, two and three quarter, three. Anyway, it's just, they're just waiting, you know, so you don't procrastinate when you're disciplined. Your children, and we never did. And I remember many a times that they would do something and it would be worthy of getting a spanking. And we would be somewhere and we'd be going home. And they would fall asleep in the car. And when I got home, you don't know how bad I did not want to wake up one of my little girls and spank them. But I did because I wanted them to know that I loved them. And this discipline that I was giving them wasn't that I didn't love them. But I loved them so much, I wanted to correct their ways and get them back in the direction of obedience. And that's what's so important, and that's what the Heavenly Father does for us. It goes on to say, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. You know, I want to take a moment just to talk to the church. Um, and those of you that I say a church, if, you know, you're part of a church, but most of all, you're part of the ecclesia. That is um, talking about the called out ones. You've given your life to Christ. And I believe God in this time, in this history that we're living in, is disciplining his children. So that we will get back to living in complete, wholehearted holiness in him. I think he is rebuking our ways of living. He does not want us to practice sin in our lives. He does not want us to have an attitude that God loves to forgive and I love to sin and I'm just going to do what I want to do. So if we continue in this direction as a church and we become a lukewarm church then we miss our opportunity 
to be able to reach those for which his son Jesus, my Savior, died for everyone. See, God said to be holy, for I am holy. See, God's son is coming back. And let me tell you something he's looking for. He's looking for a spotless bride. He's looking for one that's without blemish or wrinkle. He is looking for a bride that to where that he can receive us unto himself, that we will spend eternity with God. Everyone is thinking differently today, like never before. And I want you to think about the coronavirus for a moment. Because I've had people conversate about this. I've had conversation about this. And and I've prayed about this. And this is what I feel in my spirit. The question is, did God allow this coronavirus to come in this world for a reason? Absolutely, he did. Did God allow the coronavirus to come that has caused death, sickness, caused financial failures and job loss and schools to close and people to get laid off and people's 401ks to diminish? You know, I don't know everything about that, but here's what I know. I'm challenging the church to wake up. Wake up, church. Our Heavenly Father is disciplining all of His children across the globe so that we will get ourselves ready and get on the front lines as the army of the living God and take very serious our responsibility to reach a world that needs Jesus Christ. Listen, the death of Jesus, of our Savior on the cross, it was a brutal, horrific thing. And the death and how He died. And you know what it did? It paved the way for all of us to be able to experience God's love and God's grace and God's heaven one day. And this experience is showing us that God is for us and our heavenly father wants us to experience that we're for him and that he is for us. The church, we're responsible for spreading the good news that God is for each and every one that's ever been born and lived because his son said I love them this much on the cross see Freedom Church is since the very inception of our church almost two decades ago our very heart is to reach people to know God that's how we started that's what we're doing now and that's what we'll continue till Jesus comes back when the Heavenly Father tells him to come and get the church God is for me and God is for you God is for that neighbor of yours that may not know God. If you're listening to me and you don't know God, God is for you. He loves you so much. We just need to take Jesus at his word here because of what he has done for all of us that we can call his father our father and his God, our God. And this means that our Heavenly Father, He is for every single one of us. He wants the best for us, and He's coming for us. And here's what I can tell you. The best truly is yet to come. See, when you experience Jesus in your heart and soul, you want those who haven't ever experienced him to be able to know him in their heart and in their soul, that he died for them, that he loves them, that he's there for them. He's going to walk with them. He's going to be with them through every difficult moment that you and I are going through, especially right now. Jesus has caused us to think different. I believe that about who God is in these moments that it is a life-changing and it's eternity-shaping difference in what he's making in our thinking. Here's how we want people to think different as it relates to the church and to the church in particular. God has not written you off. So I want to challenge you right now. Don't write God off. Our church here at Freedom Church hasn't written you off or any other church has not written you off. Don't you write the church off. Our church here, we're for families. 
We're for students. We're for children. We're for adults. We're for the businesses. We're for the schools. We're for the communities. And the best news of all is that God is for every single one of them. You know, this past week with what took place, we were blessed to take part in starting up what we call Get Help, Give Help. It's on our website. If that's you and you need help, go to freedomfamily.us, fill out there the form, and we will do what we can do to help you. Not only that, being able to give help. We've had a lot of people giving help this week. We've been able as a church to be able to go out and take care baskets and put it on people's doorsteps and across our community and let them know that we love them and we're there for them in the hardest moments of people's lives right now. People broken, people crying, people not understanding. We've been able to reach out to every family in our church and call every family that we know of in our church that we have a number on. And if that's you and we have not talked to you, please write down your number. We want to give you a call. We want to tell you that we love you, we care about you, and we're there for you. How can we pray for you and maybe even put legs on those prayers to be able to help you in these greatest moments? I want to say thank you to our church family. You guys are incredible. I mean, you're incredible because you're still giving to a church. It's not even meeting <laughs> as far as people getting to come here till we get through this time. And it's going to be, and we're getting on the other side of it. It's going to be soon. I want to thank you for those serving and doing what they can to help and making things possible. So look what Romans 8 and 31 says in the Passion Translation. So what does all this mean? That's what Paul is saying. If God is determined to stand with us, who then could ever stand against us? I want us to think different in the times that we live, that our Heavenly Father is for us. The church is for you. God is for you. And what if we really begin to think different, like we're at eternity's edge and we're truly living in the last days? What if you began to think different and your children grew up thinking different about God, thinking correctly about their heavenly Father? What if there was a, a difference that could be made in the different thinking for a student that's being raised up in this time in our community, that they grew up thinking different and they started thinking correctly of the love of our Heavenly Father. What if you as an adult, in this moment, you started thinking different about your Heavenly Father? You started thinking correctly that He's for you. He's not against you. He's going to go with you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He'll never abandon you. Just think about the difference that it could make in all of our lives that we live a little while longer on this side of eternity, and then we get to go to a place called heaven where there's not going to be any viruses, there's not going to be any sin, there's not going to be any sorrow, there's not going to be any AIDS, there's not going to be any cancer, there's not going to be anybody that's going to be broken. Matter of fact, it says in Revelation that Jesus will wipe away those final tears and we'll live with him forever. But till then, I pray that you'll realize that God is for you. Make him the Lord of your life, and it will be the biggest difference you ever made. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much, and we just can't thank you enough for being our Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for the assurance of your love and what you do for us, God. We thank you that you proved the love for us through the cross, that you allowed your only son to die for our sins. Lord, God in heaven, I pray, God, that we'll never write you off, God, because you haven't written us off. I pray that none of us will ever write the church off because the church hasn't written them off. God, we pray for our community. We pray for our county. We pray for our state, our nation, and our world in a time like this, that you would intervene and that we would repent as a church and change our ways and seek your face 
that you would heal our land. As we continue praying, maybe you feel this conviction in your heart. Even if you're sitting in a room with your loved ones, your heads are bowed, continue to pray. And if you feel that conviction in your heart, that's just Jesus wanting to come in your life. He wants to come in and abide with you. He wants to come in and be the Lord of your life. He wants to make you whole. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you his life. And if that's you right now, right where you're at, just pray to him in your own way and in your own heart and say, Lord, I'm really scared in this day and time. There's a lot going on. I'm going to think different. I want to place my faith in you, Jesus. I want to ask you to be the Lord of my life. I, I want to ask you to come in my heart and forgive me of my sins, the things I've done wrong. I believe in you. So I asked you to forgive me of everything. Tell them, say, Lord, I'm going to repent of the life that I used to live. I'm going to turn from those ways. I'm going to live for you. Save my life. I need you in Jesus' name. You prayed that in the depths of your soul right now. Just thank him for that. He's going to give you the peace that passes what you could ever understand. He's going to make you whole. He's going to make you brand new. Angels are rejoicing. There's a party in heaven. Your name's going in his book. And I want to challenge you to do something for me. If you know you just gave your life to Jesus, I want you to take your phone and I want you to text the word Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with we'll you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week. God is for you and me. I love you.